When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There you are. What's up, dude? Started recording before I even let you in. You did. Yeah. Oh, okay. So we just we're starting to show off with uh, just like three minutes of you heavy breathing into the microphone. Uh, if I told you what I was watching, you would understand the heavy breathing. To, to the people who are just hearing this, this is the Monsters of the Sox. We are back after the new year. The Red Sox. Happy New Year. Red Sox have a new direction. Sure looks Happy like. Happy January 16th. We, don't ha- we do not have. I don't know why I said that. Ignore that. <laughs> an itinerary. But I have a good idea. I got, so, I got some things about. I want to discuss. No, I know you. Right. I'm saying because we don't have a. I know you have topics. You want to talk about, and frankly, there are many topics to talk about. The most newsworthy week the Red Sox have had since when, Brian Joy? And I'm including the regular season. When's the last time the Red Sox have made this much news in one week? The Matt Dermody uh, game? I mean, if we're going to, it just is, it's, it's a matter if we count the 2021 playoffs. Otherwise it's the Mookie trade. <laughs> Frankly. Well, I, no, I think the, the 2021 playoffs probably had more news probably. this week. Yeah, yeah. But I will say this. I, so you, you mentioned the Mookie trade. I, I was thinking I a little bit about Ryan this. Joyner <laughs> mentioned the Mookie trade. <laughs> you, you did. You did. Shit. First time for everybody. I was, <laughs> I was thinking about this today. Um, you wrote you wrote about Breslow for OverTheMonster.com, the only fun Red Sox website today. I want to I want to talk more about a couple of a specific I believe point it was you yesterday made yesterday and two days ago. Yesterday, when people hear this. Sure, whatever. Um, I do, I want to dive more into a specific point that you made, but I want to hold off on that specific point for a little bit. Um. But in the meantime, now that you mention it, you, you did have one line. You were talking about Breslow's proactivity. And, you know, you mentioned that really the only time Bloom was proactive in any way, shape, or form was the Mookie trade. Now, I don't want to talk about the Mookie trade. We're not doing that. And everyone who's, who's turning off the podcast right now, don't worry, we're not. But I do want to say this. I can't remember the last time I was so excited about a trade of any kind that the Red Sox have made as I am about this Chris Sale Vaughn Grissom trade. And I can't like what, what's like the Kyle Schwarber trade. Maybe that's probably it. Right. But even that was raging against the dying of the light in in a way, you know, and it was a, they traded for trade a guy deadline who was injured, deal, and they were like, "Now go play a position you've never played before." Yeah, and it was, I, I you know, I'm not going to say it was always a two month deal, but the way Bloom operated, it sure, you know, 
anyone who Bloom acquired for cheap who did well, he did not resign because his thought was, well, let's just get somebody else and not. I hate, know, I hate, yeah, I, I hate Yahtzee. Cheap. Let's move on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, no, all right. I, so, I, so, I, all right. It's, it's, well, it's hold on, hold on, pause. But, it's encouraging. It's so encouraging. Yeah. All right. So we have a lot to talk about. Let's decide how we're going to talk about this. We could dive right into the Chris Sale Grissom trade, and we could talk about why I'm so fucking excited about it. Uh, we could talk about Chris Sale's legacy as a Boston Red Sox great, which I think we should. I think it's. I think he actually has one of the most fascinating legacies of a player that I can think of in recent memory. Uh, we could talk about Lucas Giolito. I think we should do that as well. We could talk about those taint sandwiches from Barstool Sports stealing Jacob Roy's uh, on-the-ground breaking news exclusive video coverage. Uh, and we could talk about Craig Breslow and his approach so far. As I said, you know, like I said, I want to talk a little bit about what you wrote. So how should we start here tonight? Well, I appreciate you giving me the option. It seems like you have a lot more thoughts about where we should go with this. So I, I'm going to kick it back to you. Where do you want to start? I'm ready to go any direction. All right, let's start with the Chris Sale trade. And before we talk about Chris Sale as a Red Sox, let's just talk about the trade itself. Because I, like I said, I I, I cannot remember. I think this, is, this has a chance to be the most impactful Red Sox trade in a really long time. I can't believe the Braves did it. <laughs> I really I can't believe that they couldn't get someone better for Vaughn Grissom. I can't believe there are people suggesting that this is sort of some sign that the Red Sox are throwing in the towel in 2024 because I think it's it's at least 50-50 that Vaughn Grissom may be a more productive player than Chris Sale this upcoming season. At least 50-50. And I'm just super excited about everything I have heard from about this guy. I mean, he fits up he's a if Vaughn Grissom were in the Red Sox farm system, he would probably be the fourth. Well, he's not a prospect anymore. He, he doesn't have rookie eligibility. But if he did, he would be right behind Meyer, Teal, and Anthony. He'd be the number four prospect in the Red Sox system. Except that unlike Meyer, Teal, and Anthony, he's already played in the big leagues. He's already had success in the big leagues. Yes, he's already experience some challenges in the big leagues as well. But this guy was an absolute stud when he came up in 2002. Uh, he's right-handed. He's a contact hitter. He's sort of, it like, offensively, he kind of seems like he's already at sort of the Verdugo profile with more power potential. Of course, that's what we said about Verdugo for four years, but more power potential. Uh, his glove needs some work, but we needed a second baseman, whatever. We can't. It, <laughs> Red Sox second baseman last year combined for negative 1.9 B war. The steamer projections already out for Von Grissom have him coming out to be about a two war player next year, which is only league average. But that's a four win improvement. Like, that's not that far off from where the Red Sox would be had they replaced Alex Rodugo with Juan Soto. Now, now war is a very blunt tool and I kind of hate when people use it in a very lazy way, like the way I just did. How does it work on the other end with sale? Who, 
Who cares? Well, you for four years. That's, that's for, what I was asking. For four years, we I have been doing this. Saying. I agree <laughs> yeah. with every word you're saying. I'm just asking for clarification. Yeah. For four years, we have been doing this. Maybe Chris Sale will come back, and maybe he'll pitch well, and maybe he'll regain his form. But we've been doing this for so goddamn long. I'm sick of it. And and you know I hope he I hope he I really sincerely hope he does succeed with the Braves this year. I will be thrilled if he does that. I won't, I won't be mad about. I won't be mad at Breslow. I'm not. You know I'm not going to be upset at him. I, I, I won't be mad at all. But we can't. We couldn't keep doing this. We couldn't keep doing this with him for one more year. So here's here's my question. Because I've thought about this a lot since the trade has been happening. Did Hyam Bloom have the go-ahead to trade Chris Sale? Because if he did and he did not trade Chris Sale, it seems like a failure on top of the failure that was playing and led him leaving because I don't – but the flip side of it is I don't know how much of there is a market for Chris Sale before there was what well, one that... year left on the contract. So this is, you know, it's there's there's one hand, there's the other hand. I totally understand what the Braves are doing because the Braves are a more or less super elite team. Like they are the set, I would say they're the second best organization in baseball right now, pretty clearly behind the Dodgers. And what do they do? They get super elite <clears throat> talent where they can get it. And now Sale does not have to do a ton for them. Like that's right. They just want to exploit the top. And the Red Sox sort of did that at times. And you know, the, in the 2018 playoffs, most notably. Everybody wants to do that with Chris Sale, but there was no room for Sale to do that on the Red Sox anymore, which is why I mean, this is so refreshing. It's so refreshing. It's so normal. It's like no, it's normcore, but it makes me happy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, here's why I don't even necessarily care about your bloom question. <laughs> One, I I think I, I fully I believe he had the authority to do whatever he wanted to within a certain set of parameters, and you know we can debate what those parameters might be. Okay, we heard I'm going to stop you right there, the, though. But if that's the case. The only explanation for not trading the big guys after Buki that I can come up with is that he was shell shocked. Well, and I think if he, I and think if he couple... was as if he was as straightforward and clear minded as we've been led to believe, that wouldn't have mattered. Yeah. Well, I'll I'll say a couple of things about that, and again, and I really don't want this to be a bloom podcast. I do, I do. Wheelhouse. I, well, this is actually, this is actually, I think, it, I think what I I almost suggested to you last week that our, we, you know, if we wanted to do a draft for this podcast, we should draft New Year's resolutions for for the you know for twenty twenty four as Red Sox fans, not for the team, but for ourselves. And my you first pick would have been. I want nobody to say the word bloom ever again. I'm so sick of it. But I, the reason why I didn't suggest that was because I was like, well, shit, if I do that, Brian will literally never write another piece 
<laughs> over the monster again. I mean, that's always that's always a danger. You won't be in trouble. Yeah, it is. But the other reason why I don't care beyond you know what he what he may or may not have been authorized to do is because I don't believe for a second that he ever would have had an offer this good on the table. Because again, I can't. I this deal seems so crazy lopsided to me little, little brave little braves tilting after the after the exit playoff exit i mean he like von grissom is not a sure thing anyone who's listening to this podcast has heard me talk about prospects over and over again and and how uncomfortable i am with the way that people just pencil them into having great futures but grissom has the upside of an all-star I'm not saying he's going to be an all-star. His glove isn't there yet. His power is not there yet. He's chased too many pitches and his last in the big leagues. He put way too many balls on the ground. He had a 59% ground ball rate last year in a very limited sample size, but that ain't going to cut it in the big leagues. But his upside is a second baseman who plays average defense, who hits 300, who gets on base at close to 400 and who hits 15 to 20 home runs. That is a fringe all-star. That's his upside. The idea that the Red Sox could get a someone with all-star upside for Chris Sale, for a guy who, has, who threw 100 innings last year and had done nothing for the four years previous, a guy whose bone structure – has less structural integrity than my first graders art projects that he brings home from school. The idea that they could get a guy like Vaughn Grissom for Chris, I I was blown away when I saw the tweet. Couldn't believe it. Was waiting for some other shoe to drop, was waiting to find out that Sox included somebody else, was waiting to find out that like Vaughn Grissom, you know, had some sort of Wander Franco, Alan Dershowitz situation. I didn't it's like we're not hearing any of that. In fact, everything I've heard about about Vaughn Grissom so far is has been amazing. Like he he re, the Braves, you know, the like teams will always uh, be complimentary about a guy after they let him go. But you can tell when it's rote and going through the motions versus when it's genuine. It's genuine. The Braves really liked this guy. I'm sure they have concerns about his future for all sorts of reasons, but they really liked him as a person and as a player. And he seems cool as shit. I don't know if you heard the story. And Alex Anthopoulos told the story when he, he called Grissom to break the news. And he said, you know, hey, sorry, you know, we traded you. We really believed in you. But we wanted, you know, we needed to bring more pitching into the team. Grissom's response was, I can pitch if you need me to. Um, you know, it's just like he seems like a cool guy. He's an athlete. He's got a really good hit tool. I, I, I couldn't be more excited. I couldn't be more excited to see him next to Tristan Casas in what now looks to me like a pretty exciting Red Sox infield. Yeah, I mean, hopefully he keeps that energy up uh, on the Red Sox, the bummer team uh, so far. But no, I, I think that Look, it's almost all upside. And I have a, like you, I I see the Braves offer and it seems very, 
obvious to say yes. I, I don't think that means that the, the Red Sox ripped off the Braves because if Chris Hale can do anything, he'll be great. He'll be no, fine. It was, a, it was a, this is yeah, this, it was what, it, what it's this what was explains like to me what, what it shows thing. me as how organizations that are actually run well can afford to make moves like this. Oh, uh, you mean you mean you're allowed to trade a prospect? Is that what you mean? Yeah. You're allowed to do that, and it's not going to cripple your team for a decade. Yes, it, it, you can do it. Uh, you know what else you can do? Uh, you can wait until after the break to hear what we have to say next. We're back. What are we going to say next? All right, let's talk about Sale. All right, let's talk about Chris Sale. Let's talk about his legacy. Especially since you, you burned me in the slack today for not contributing to the to the Irish. Well, I was a little confused. I was a little confused. I know you wrote the piece, but I was still confused. I didn't write. I thought I you wrote the no, he's right. got traded piece. Well, yeah, but that was like three hundred words. That was a. I was just well, doing apparently that. Apparently, it's three hundred <laughs> words more than you had to say. Uh, no. <laughs> the, for background, we all did a roundtable of. Goodbye to Chris Sale, our Irish wake. And Dan didn't participate because he basically was like, the only thing I had left to do was hate on him. And I didn't want to do that. <laughs> well, I was going to. So here's the thing that, that's really fascinating to me about Chris Sale. Um, you touched upon one of the things I was going to write about in your tribute to him. And a lot of other people touched on some of the other things. You know, as you said, and you've said this a lot, Chris Sale is... As a as a person who throws a baseball, one of the best to ever do it. Ever, ever, like ever, 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 ever. Forget awards, yeah. forget anything. He <clears throat> is as good. He's not as good as anyone, but he's fucking close. He's de- yes. You see and Randy Johnson, you say him. nobody can do that. And you see Chris Sale is like, oh, oh, actually, maybe I don't know, maybe somebody can. Yeah, without killing animals. And as good as he is, it's fascinating to me to think that right now, and who knows what happens with the Braves? Who knows what happens after the Braves? You know, he's he's gonna he's he's gonna play for more than three more years, assuming his arm doesn't totally fall off. But right now, his legacy is either one of two things. His legacy has a chance, he has a chance to go down as one of the best pitchers of all time to never win the Cy Young. And that very, it's like very a, funny that he's competing with Schilling in that in that competition. Yeah, that's a very good funny. And that sounds like a that sounds like a dubious distinction. It sounds like I'm giving him a backhanded compliment when I say that. But that legacy is actually better than I think what the more likely legacy is right now. Which, if you ask Red Sox fans about Chris Sale, they're going to talk about the bike accident. They're going to talk about the rib, the broken rib. They're going to talk about the pinky. They're going to talk about Mookie trade. They're going to talk about the last five years of nothing. If you ask any other fans in baseball who aren't Red Sox fans, you say, hey, what do you think about Chris Hill? The first thing they're going to bring up is the jersey cutting incident. Edward Scissorhands, baby. They're going to say, hey, I love that movie. And I can't, and I don't, I, I won't, I won't speak for White Sox fans. I don't really know how they feel about him. They don't I'm sure exist. they have. They don't exist. Yeah. Oh, and and so far as they do, they're miserable. Yeah. I lived on the but South Side for five years. Me. Please, come on. 
That's true. You did. You're right. I shouldn't step on your corner there. Um, but that it's fascinates me to think that there is a guy. <laughs> My sister taught in the South Side. I've been there. There you go. Uh, been on, I've been on South Side Corners. Um, but yeah, so like this is a guy who is one of the greatest pitchers of his generation. Arguably, he has, he's going to have a he's going to have an argument to be one of the best pitchers to never win a Cy Young. And yet, when you mention his name to baseball fans, universally, almost none of them think about what he actually has done on the mound. And I think that's I don't know if sad that's and unfortunate. I think, I think you're just making that up. <laughs> I understand that that's really salacious and it was funny. And like, I loved it, of course. I still love it to this day. I think that people will think of Chris Sale the same way that I do and the way I talked about him as basically the best player on the 2018 Red Sox. And certainly the way he closed it out was memorable that they'll think of him as. But why was he closing? He was closing because he had already broken down that year. (laughs) And that would be what defined him for the next six years of his life. Yeah, but you, you when you win a title and strike out like the the most cartoonish villain to your franchise for in like the last yeah. five year period and make him look like a the, the letter K, it's you know what do you do with uh, I, I, what what it comes back to to me what it always comes back to to me uh, Mookie trade Mookie himself everything was that twenty eighteen was so good it's easy to not and it will continue to be easy to not give it its due because of the way we sort of remember justifiably great seasons and uh, you know great teams sometimes I, I think a good example of this in basketball are like the Lakers teams that won three titles in a row, but they just were, they lost one game to the Sixers. And then the next three years, I believe they won. They swept every time I believe. Yeah. Until the Pistons. And there's right. And then, yeah. And then like, that was just a crazy year, but like they were so good that it wasn't interesting. And I feel like the 2018 Red Sox were almost like that. They were almost so good. It wasn't interesting. But the fact they went through the Astros, the Benintendi catch, that was big. And then again, as I wrote today, like they lost four games to one, but even the game they lost, they won. They won. Yeah. It's just. It, it was an it incredible was achievement. Sale was the main guy. And and after that, I understood why they extended him. I totally understood it. And I totally understood why they traded him just now. I mean, as you've said, it's it's so it's so straightforward, this trade. It's so straightforward, good for maybe for both organizations, but it's definitely good for the Red Sox. The Braves just want it in case it's October and they need someone to pitch 
the eighth or the ninth. Or maybe be a starter. I don't know. But I assume, given that they're the Braves, that they're going to deploy Sale in the best way possible. And to me, at this point in his career, for a team that is only wants to win the World Series, it would be he'd be deployed more strategically than given as many innings as possible, but we'll see, or we won't. Cause we're Red Sox fans. We're going to be watching. Uh, yeah. Who, who's the Red Sox. We're going to be watching Giolito and uh, not Blake Snell. Cause he's going to New York. Apparently. Lucas Giolito. Yeah, no, you're right. I, I think, yeah, the, the Braves, they have the luxury of not relying on Chris sale. Um, if and he I doesn't do shit, too, it kind of doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and just to close the book, I think we should move on to Giolito. Just to close the book on sale, I think uh, an underrated a, a thing about that really about this trade that has me so excited, and I feel this more so than about the Verdugo trade, maybe even more so than about the Bloom firing. With with this trade of Chris Sale, I feel like a page is actually being turned. Like that, if you the if you're gonna break Red Sox baseball into eras since 2021, I won't count 2020 for anything. Like since 2021, it's been the just wait till Chris Sale gets back era, <laughs> and it's been exhausting. It really, really has. I know it's not his fault. I know it can happen to any pitcher. I know that being a fan of pitching in 2024 sucks because it is nothing but monitoring guys' ligaments and tendons, and that's not a fun way to be a sports fan. Um, but, oh my God, it just got exhausting with them. It really did. And in a way, it kind of it, it's it a relief. Like held the it's team hostage. It's a relief. Like I, I, I feel relief having nothing to do with antipathy toward Chris Sale, because I would like him to do well, except for he plays for the racist team now. One of the racist teams. You know, it's, <laughs> it's one of them. And and one of them is is arguably the Red Sox. So yeah, well, there's that. Too. So, <laughs> I, but I, I... He's in the NL. <clears throat> he can't hurt us now. We're not... We, we're not going to get to a point where he can hurt us. So I, I hope he has great moments because his great moments are as good as anybody's. All right. Um, let's talk right, Giolito. Let's, let's talk Giolito. A question for you, Joyner. Yes. Um, well, I guess, I guess I have to ask a super question before I get to the sub question. Super question is, are you excited about Lucas Giolito? And the sub question is, what are you most excited about? Are you most excited about his potential as a pitcher, as a guy who even through a rocky season had a 352 ERA through June last year, which was lower than every Red Sox pitcher for the last five years, except for Michael Walker. Are you excited that, with Sean Doolittle out of the way, he is arguably the most politically progressive player in baseball. Or are you excited that his grandfather played Susan Ross's dad on Seinfeld? Second one. Love that boy's <laughs> okay. politics. More than Not Susan Ross's dad. 
Okay. I love that boy's politics. He he's he's easy to root for for me in that way. But also uh that's just a bonus. At the same time, it, it, it it's a big one for me. It's it's why I'm so sort of blindly okay with the deal, but I think that somebody who was MAGA who had the same background, I'd, I'd be fine with too. We just need some competence. I, my, my whole thing, and this is what my column today was about, or yesterday was about, competence. I just want competence. I just want competence. And when Bloom was signing Michael Walker for one-year deals and then not re-signing him, yeah, you might have gotten cool. You got a good payoff for one year. Giolito on a two-year deal. Maybe probably a one-year left. deal. Probably right. a one-year deal, which Fine. that that is relevant because yeah, that's not a great contract. But it doesn't matter to me. It just doesn't matter. They need bodies. They need bodies, and they also need to have a team culture that people want to be a part of. And I, I hate to use Alex Verdugo as a representative sample of people because he obviously is not, but I don't want any of that vibe on the team. I want it to be like, Julia was like, I want to be a Red Sox. And like, that's so boilerplate. I don't much care. I do care a little bit in the fact that, the last two years, it has not seemed fun to be a Boston Red Sox. And I want the players to feel like it is fun to do that. I'm actually really glad you said that. Um, this is something I've been thinking about, too. Uh, I, one of the unfortunate side effects of the Moneyball and Analytics revolution was that a lot of people came to the stark conclusion that anything that cannot be directly measured on the field doesn't mean shit. And I don't buy into that at all. And I'm, and and this doesn't mean to say that like, if you give me two players and one of them's a six war guy and one of them's a three war guy, but the three war guy is a better clubhouse guy. I want him. It doesn't mean that. And it doesn't mean that chemistry is the secret to you know, to every World Series champion success, of course it's not. But it does mean that chemistry plays a role. Of course it does, right? Like and like we all know that from everyday life. Like if you like the people you work with, you're going to be more excited to go into the office every goddamn day. You're going to be more receptive to advice from your coworkers and your boss. You're going to be more eager to do a good job. If you don't like them, you're not. The same thing applies to athletes. I don't know why people think it doesn't. Of course it does. So chemistry matters. But with respect to Giolito and what you just said, I like. I think fit to a city really matters. And I think it matters probably more in baseball than any other sport. Because you can't hide as a baseball player. You know, if you compare it to, 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 to the NFL, you know, a, a football player can very easily lead a relatively anonymous life. They play once a week. They play in massive stadiums where the infrastructure is such that like, they don't need to be any closer than 200 feet to a fan 
anytime they they didn't want to be. There's like they five these... or six players who are recognizable on any team, and the teams have like five plus players. Yes, exactly. They're wearing face masks. Nobody knows what they look like. Baseball players have to go to the ballpark every day. You know what they're and butts especially look at like a place very, like Fenway. Very clearly, you see those butts. Yeah, those like, baseball it, pants, those booties. Yes. Yes, and Boston is not a forgiving place. David Wells, like David Wells is a guy that, you know, you would think would sort of thrive anywhere given his personality, but he famously when he when he went to the, when he went from the Yankees to the Red Sox, he was asked about the difference. He said Boston was worse than New York. <laughs> because for him, you know, being you know this, you live in New York. I've lived in New York. There are millions and millions of people in New York who have never watched baseball. <laughs> there are people who are from France and Kyrgyzstan and whatever, and they're there. They're in New York for a million different reasons, and they don't care about the Yankees. And so David Wells used to say that, like in New York, he could go have he could go to a bar and just like have a drink and be himself. He couldn't do that in Boston. Well, he goes to a diner and get into a fight. I've been to that diner. (laughs) So, I mean, it's like you do, you have to, you have to want to play here. You have to be a good fit. And I think that that is something I was thinking about. Like Theo Epstein, I think actually probably had an eye for this. And again, it's, it wasn't, I don't, it's, I'm not trying to say it was his number one priority. I'm not trying to say it was more important to him than actual skill as a baseball player. It's not more important to me than actual skill as a baseball player, but it matters. And I think Theo knew that. And I can remember, I, I specifically remember, you know, the off season when Kevin Millar signed, which I don't know how much you remember about that. That was a really weird signing because he had initially signed with the Japanese team. Right. And then, yeah. And then Theo came in and was like, actually, no, we want you and so there was this whole like international legal dispute and and we were hearing about this in slow bits of news throughout the off season and it was kind of ridiculous cuz nobody had ever heard of Kevin Millar. <laughs> we had no idea who the hell he was and yet we were we were hearing about this contract dispute for weeks and weeks and weeks. And I remember when they got when they convened in spring training Kevin Millar spoke about it and of course you know, was funny and engaging about it and understood that that fans were like, who the hell is this guy? And Theo Epstein spoke about it. And he talked about in his Theo way, he talked about his patient approach at the plate. He talked about how his swing was going to be a good fit for Fenway. And he also talked about Kevin Millar being a really good fit for Boston. And holy shit, was that true? Like, holy shit, was that true? And I think that, that matters. There, you're at the ballpark every day. You're facing the fans every day. You can't go out in the city without being recognized. You have to want to be here. And Giolito and Grissom both, granted, we don't know them that well yet, but my initial impressions of them both are that they are good fits. Like Grissom, like I said, Grissom seems like a charismatic, energetic guy who likes connecting with fans, who likes talking to the media, who's good at talking to the media. Giolito, like you said, like Giolito is a cosmopolitan guy. He grew up in LA. You know, he's not he's not some guy who grew up in an exurb in Georgia who is, you know, gonna be uncomfortable living in an urban environment. That's another thing about like a lot of these ball. If anything, Giolito is gonna be like Boston's not woke enough. 
You're, you're right. You're right. Or it's not going to have, you know, coffee shops that are good enough for him or the sushi is not going to be good enough for him. And that's, that's vastly different from a guy like Chris Sale who grows, who grows up in exurban Florida and, you know, isn't used to the faster paced urban life that, that Boston has. And I think both of these guys are good fits. And I think that's a really underrated aspect of roster building. I think that everything about the Giolito contract just makes sense to me, including what you said. And cultural fits don't necessarily matter. I mean, famously, Roger Clemens and Boston were not the, the best cultural fit. But he was very, very good on the Red Sox. Uh, I, well, I think there's with Boston. I'm not talking about the administration because obviously that fucked everything up. At the same yeah. time, I, I definitely agree with you. And yeah, I'm happy to have now that Doolittle is gone, our, our woke champ <clears throat> on the Red Sox. But at the same time, the what makes me happiest about Giolito is that it's. I'm happy to have him. He seems cool. Mm-hmm. Nothing about the contract is cumbersome and nothing about the com- contract is, I don't know if flippant is the right word, but like cursory. There's some intent behind it. There's a, it seems to be built into the, project of making the Red Sox an actually competitive baseball team in practice rather than in theory, which is what we've been dealing with with Lou. And again, maybe you say I'm projecting because we don't really know what Breslow is about, but I do as I wrote about have some confidence now that my man is recognizing the hole he's in and at least some of the moves he has to get to dig out to begin with. And, and trading sale is huge. It's huge. It like, frankly, it doesn't even matter if trading sale was a good or bad idea. Trading sale is a huge thing to do two or three months into being uh, the chief of baseball operations. He's Chris sale. He's Chris sale, you know, (laughs) All right, let's let's pivot to this since you brought it up, um, because I do think so. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna read a little bit from from the piece you wrote. If about I wanted Breslow. to read, I'd go to school. That's what that's what you, said. you're not reading. You're you're being read to like All a right. like a toddler being soothed to sleep. Jim. That's that's what's up. That's what's happening here, and you and you look like you're about to fall asleep. So. No, don't. <laughs> now who's projecting? Okay. Um, so you mentioned, you know, the guts that it takes to trade Chris Sale, the guts that it takes to trade Alex Verdugo to the Yankees as your first major move. And um, so anyway, so look, let's. I'm just going to dive right in here. Here's what you wrote in your piece about Preslow, um, where you talked me. about like him. It. Yeah. He's a mop-up man. Breslow was a reliever on the most fun Red Sox team ever, and it's hard not to note the traces traces of a classic cleanup job in the early stages of his tenure. You have to make pitches to get out of a jam. More than that, you have to be willing to make pitches. There's nowhere to hide. 
There's no beautiful theoretical design on which to fall back. There's only what you do when the eyes are on you and the clock is ticking down. So I want to apologize. Hold on. I want to apologize because that's anachronistic. When Craig Breslow pitched, there was no pitch clock. And I knew that when I wrote it. Oh, that's true. That's true. Technically, there was, but they just didn't enforce it. Sure. So, I, so I think we can allow it. Otherwise, that sounded really um, good. I wrote that. That's awesome. Yeah, it sounded damn good. I think it was one of your better pieces in a while in general. But I really loved that part in particular because I do think that there might be something to watch here, specifically in regards to Craig Breslow being a former player. And I'm sort of, re- I'm gonna, and I'm gonna be, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start looking at every move he makes in this angle, and it's gonna be fascinating to me because you know I, I have, uh, I'm not a professional athlete for many what? reasons. <laughs> for many reasons, I am probably one of the top ten bumper pool players in North America. You're not. I no, I am. I'm pretty confident. You're better than I am. me, which is all that matters for this podcast. I'm pretty confident I am. We don't have to get into that right now. I'm confident I am. But uh, I, like, and look, I'm not a professional athlete because I don't have the skill. But I'm also extremely confident that even if I did, arguably have the athletic ability to get to that level, I don't think I have what it takes mentally and emotionally <laughs> to be a professional athlete. <laughs> I am not. Uh, I'm not aggressive enough. I I I do not like in my life take the bull by the horns. If I see a bull, I'm just like, oh hey, look everybody, there's a bull. I'd maybe try to make fun of the bull. I'm not gonna go after the bull. I don't care about. The, I I don't want the bull. And. And I think, like, and for that reason, for the same reason, I, I've always thought, I've never thought that I would be a good GM. Ever, ever, ever. In fact, I know I would be a horrible GM. I Guys, would be, uh, everybody who's listening, this is the manager of our site. I'm just letting you know. I would he, be. He doesn't think he, he can run anything. He's the manager of this site. Look, I, I don't like confrontation. I don't like taking risks. <laughs> I don't like putting. You're really mad I at right now. Let's go. Let's I have second that Well, I mean, I don't give a shit about those taint sandwiches. Like I said, I, that, that's being mad at bar stools. Penis cancer uh, doesn't hold over. Yeah. there we go. Yeah, um, that was a hell of a movie. But part of the lesson I already did an entire podcast about it, so <laughs> so we won't step on their corner. <laughs> Um, but the point is, I don't have the temperament to be a GM. I think I would probably be a lot like Kyle Bloom was. I would be constantly second-guessing myself. I would be afraid to make moves. Craig Breslow very obviously isn't. And I wonder how much of that is that he was a player. And, of course, I, I, I'm, as far as I know, I think there are only three CBO GMs president of baseball operations who are former players. Who's the third one? I know Billy Bean is one, obviously. Well, I wasn't even going to say Billy Bean. I wasn't even going to say him because he never made it pro. He never made it. Oh, I thought, no, I thought he made the, I thought he made the pros. I thought he had a cup of coffee. Yes. Yes. No, I don't think he made the big leagues. I think, I I don't think he ever made it out of the lower minors. No way of knowing. We'll never be able to figure this out. Of course. But, But I don't think he made it to the big leagues. Um, but sure, 
like he he obviously did he was drafted he played in the minors for sure the three i was gonna say are breslow chris young in charge of the rangers and then of course there's the guy whose name is synonymous with making deals and not being afraid to trade jerry depoto he was Uh, also a player uh billy bean played for six years in major league baseball so yeah are you sure you're not thinking of? Did you no. spell his name correctly? And is it the yes, other I'm Billy looking, Bean? I'm looking at his face. That's it's Brad Pitt. I'm looking at Brad. Drafted by the New York Mets in the first six round. Years in Major Drafted League by baseball. the New York Mets in the first round. It's the same Billy Bean. Trust me. Six years. Yeah, okay. Man. All right. Well. Okay. Fine. He really. He years. really. He really. hundred and. Three hundred and fifteen career plate appearances. Okay, but he was in the majors for a long time. Yeah, okay, you're right. You're right. He was in the majors. We're the same. We're on the same path. We get it. We get it. He was in the majors. Yeah, this is a. But I I truly do think that there is an element of if you played baseball, the theory of having better players later can easily get and i think in this case helpfully overrun by the idea of just having better yeah. players now like why not well he knows how hard it is to make it yeah it's, he yeah. knows he knows the odds yeah and it's like and what what will help your team get better better baseball players not like yeah. some grand strategy better baseball players that's what you want you want better baseball players, and then your team can get better. And then it's up to you, the guy running the team, to get even better baseball players. Rising tide. Yeah. He know he knows the odds. And and the big thing I think here is that and I, I feel like this is part of I'm sorry, but this is part of why I'm sort of him being so far down the list of who they hired almost, I hope will continue to be liberating for him to be like, well, shit, I just, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to go for it. Well, what I was just going to say was you don't succeed as a professional athlete, unless you are not afraid of failure. You really don't because what I think what holds a lot of people back in life, whether they're athletes or, or in any profession what holds people back from reaching the pinnacle is a fear of failure and what comes with that a fear of if i if i really give it my all and if i really take some risks and if i don't make it then i don't like what that says about myself I'm and the people right who here, i'm the sitting pinnacle, right here Dan. i'm sitting right here I, all right i'm not just, i'm not just, <laughs> I'm not talking about anyone who's who's not also me. <laughs> you know, you don't look. It's if, if you if you throw everything you have into it takes a lot to throw everything you have into something because mm-hmm. if you don't make it, then it means you're inadequate in some way. Whereas if you hold back, if you hold something back, then you are reserving your, yourself an excuse for your failure for not making it. Yeah, this is but why athletes like, can't do that. When they went through the whole process and Breslin got hired, I was like, this might end up being great just because this guy knows where he stands. 
And I'm like Bloom, who was like anointed, he's basically anointed. There was there wasn't much interviewing. It sort of happened in short order. Boom, boom, boom. He was the only one who got a second interview. Brezzo was hired to be a man of action, you know, not not, not a man of ideas necessarily, because regardless of what you think of Bloom or the owners, whatever. I think we understand now the owners have a lot of the ideas but how to implement them is not proscribed by what john henry says he says do this with these resources and even in a very short amount of time and there's no way to know if bloom would have done the same sort of thing brazil has acted very different than bloom would have and it won't always end up being about what Bloom didn't do. But right now, it still feels so nice, so nice to see the sale deal, which makes a ton of sense. See the Giolito deal, which the downside is low. It's really low. And it's the type of deal a team like the Red Sox should be making with their eyes closed. And it's nice that they did it. Now, I know that there were rumors that the Red Sox weren't going to go after another major free agent until uh, they clear some more payroll, which I think on the Slack, we basically have all understood to be Kenley Jansen, who everybody seems to fucking hate. Uh, but he also, but <laughs> no, not not you, but like, the people who know him seem to hate him. But that really but, but but the whole yeah, no, that was the whole thing. Like the team doesn't seem to like him. But the whole point of signing Jansen last year is why I was for it. I'm like out of all things Bloom did, I was for it is here's a guy you should always be able to trade if you want to. He's yeah. I, I you thought you were just gonna say he's good at baseball. I thought that's what you were gonna say. He's good at baseball. Yeah, like, he's good at baseball. Oh, sure. You you want to get rid of him? He's not a guy who you have to convince people to trade for. It's like no, it's yeah. You tried to win. You tried to win the World Series. Here you go. Here's Kenley Jansen. Here you go. He's one of the best closers of his generation. Take him. Yeah. No, I agree. And I and I do. I I know I earlier interjected about the contracts potentially being a quote unquote bad contract. I'm also not worried about that. I like you need good players in your team. And if the downside of Lucas Giolito is, well, he might be good in 2024. And so he opts out like that's not an actual downside people. Yeah. That means he helped your baseball team win baseball games, which is what we're all here to do. We're not, we're this, we're, we're not an asset management firm. We're not like, Oh, oh, oh hold on. Hold on. All right, well, hold on. We're no longer an asset manager. Well, well, we may still be. No, hold on. The Red Sox may still be. But nothing irks me more than when fans take on the premises like of ownership. So what do you yeah. think is next? What, that's, that's the main thing. What do you think is next? I have been thinking for a very long time now that the Red Sox are going to be heavily in on Imanaga. And that may be totally off base because obviously Breslow is a pitching guy. He has a lot of thoughts, ideas, and theories about 
about pitching and he brought in Andrew Bailey and that half of his job this offseason, more than half of his job this offseason is revamping the way that the Red Sox from top to bottom think about and develop pitching. So maybe he just doesn't like him <laughs> and maybe I'm way off pace for that reason. But I have always thought that I've looked at this free agent. Uh, look, before we get too excited about the Red Sox moves, last time we spoke, Yamamoto deal wasn't done yet. I'm still disappointed. Well, I mean, it in, was done. We just didn't know it because it came out well, two hours. It came out two hours after we it came out. Yes, talking. yes. You're, so, no, you're yes. right. Yeah, you're right. I am disappointed that they were not more aggressive in going after Yamamoto because you are not that you are. I know what you're going to say. I know what you're going to say, but hold on. You're not going to get this opportunity again to sign a 25 year old pitcher with ace upside for nothing but money for you don't have to trade prospects for him. You don't have to draft him and develop him for four years and hope he doesn't blow out his UCL in the interim. All you have to do is pay him money. Like I, I don't know. I can't think off the top of my head the last time any team had an opportunity to do that. The Red Sox had the opportunity to do it. He was perfect for their needs. Who cares if he's not enough to put them over the top next year? Because he was going to be on the team for 10 years. I really wanted them to go aggressively after him, and I'm disappointed that they didn't. I know I know what you're about to say. You're about to say he's going to the Dodgers all along. <clears throat> and look, yeah, he clearly he, did no, prefer the Dodgers. I was going to say that, but if, since I knew that you knew what I was going to say, I, I moved on. I was trying to think of <laughs> what the best comparison would be. <clears throat> And yeah, there's no like a rod to me is the best comparison, even though he's a hitter, like yeah. same timing. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's like if AJ Burnett was way better, like that, that's sort of <laughs> way, better, way yeah. better. Well, we don't, right? maybe not, maybe yeah. not way better, but yes. Yamamoto. I, I have oh. no, I have no doubts yeah. about Yamamoto being, yeah. And it's and I got to say the flattening of the earth when it comes to baseball. Tom Friedman take a bow you were finally right about something. Cuz fucking beautiful now when good Japanese players are good American players. And and and, and it's the, the distance I love is it. closing. I love, it. I, love very, it. I love it. Yeah. Very very quickly. I mean Look no further than the fact that the single best player in baseball is Japanese, and like he's and he's the best player by um, a lot. Yeah, I love it. I love one of my, one of my who's the favorite third best? things. Who's the third? I'm, I'm third counting Acuna is the second. Who's the third? <sighs> That's a good question. Um, I probably would still say Mookie. I mean. Why the hell oh, not? Yeah. He put up an yeah. eight-war season last yeah. year. That's pretty good. Um, that wasn't a setup, folks. I, I hadn't thought that through. But I think Mookie is <laughs> – if it's not Mookie, he would be indistinguishable from like the yeah. third – like he might be in a three, four, five grouping where it's like everybody yeah. is similar. But he – I could see him easily being three. I'll say, I'll say Shohei number one. I'll say Mookie number two because I'm loyal to my boys. Fair. Unlike you, Fair. I'll say Acuna number three. Sure. 
I'll say uh, Connor Juan Wong. Soto in Yankee Stadium number four. No, I was no. gonna say, number five. I was gonna say Vaughn Grissom, but there you yeah, go. That's just me. Yeah, that's just uh, me. Juan Soto in Yankee Stadium is gonna be very uh, terrible. Slash it's gonna awesome. be it's gonna be bad Flash. and good at the same time because mm-hmm. it's awful for us as Red Sox fans aesthetically and for the sport. It's going to be quite good. And it is as a baseball fan good. like you, like we need to have things that are good for the sport and that will be very good for the sport. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it will be. So I've quick, quick Juan Soto Yankee stadium aside. Um, I have previously in this podcast made as my recommendation, another baseball podcast known as the Cespedes family barbecue. Yes, yes. <clears throat> which is way, which, which is way more popular than this one. Let's let's have them. Well, we don't recommend. We us. don't know that. <laughs> yeah, but anyway. So after the signing, uh, one of the hosts, uh, the two uh, Jordan Jordan Schusterman, one of the two hosts, um, had a had a quick. He's the other one. This was Jordan. Had a quick little anecdote. He had a quick little anecdote that perfectly encapsulates why these guys are so fucking good at what they do. He brought up an interview that that Juan Soto had given like four years before that he remembered where somebody asked him, somebody asked like Juan Soto, just like, Hey, Juan Soto, what do you love about playing baseball? Like, what do you love to do on a baseball field? And Soto gave this very interesting, eloquent answer about hitting a home run to the opposite field. And I'm and he went into like where the pitch is and how it comes off the bat and how it spins. And and Soto said something. I'm just gonna make up the numbers here. The numbers are relevant, but I don't remember exactly what it was. Soto said something like seeing that ball go over the 390 sign in the outfield. And Jordan Schusterman remembered this interview, and uh this was still when Juan Soto was on the Nats and Jordan Schusterman just knew off top of my off top of his head that there is no 390 sign in Nats Park. And so and he did this years ago and just kept it to himself. He looked around the big leagues and he found out and he said, where's their 390 sign? And he found out that there is only a 390 sign in Yankee Stadium. <laughs> and so he's been th- like he's just had this in his head. He's had this in his head for like four years. Juan Soto, when he pictures baseball Nirvana, pictures himself hitting an opposite field home run in Yankee Stadium. And of course, and then the you know the trade happens. He brings it up. It's it's like again, such a wonderful anecdote. It's a perfect example of what makes that pod great. And it's, it's something that really scares stuff. the it's shit sickle, out of me for next year. It's sick <laughs> stuff in the best way. Like, it's very. Yeah, it really stuff. is. It really and, is, uh, and it does scare the shit out of me for next year. The only, the only, the only, the only thing that makes me okay with Soto being on the Yankees is that that boy will walk. Just don't pitch to him. Just don't pitch to him. Just, just let him walk. Let him have a four eighty well, on base. I don't care. Yeah. I don't care. I don't care. Don't well, let the problem, him. If the Yankees, and I'm not worried about the three hundred ninety-one <laughs> foot home runs. I'm worried about three hundred sixteen foot home runs. That's what yeah. I'm worried about. You can say let him walk, but he is going to be hitting in front of Aaron Judge. Like that's guaranteed. That's guaranteed. 
They're not going to put. Honestly, they're not going to put I a hate, guy. I hate to say this, but it is very many and Poppy. Like it could be better. I hate to say that. Maybe not. Maybe it's not better, but it's as good. And that is wild. That is really hard to do. It. I don't think it's that crazy to say it could be better. Like Juan Soto is. Well, Williams. I was just about to. He's Ted Williams. I, the thing is, he probably, doesn't hit for yeah. as good of an average because he's more <clears throat> power and walk. Well, he um, did early on in his career, and I think he's probably no. It's my choice. It's my choice. It's yeah. it's not by skill. It's by choice. It's entirely by yeah. choice. I think of those four guys. Uh, most people would probably say Soto is going to end up having the best career out of all four. It's I, it's between Soto I, I, and Manny. Probably. Yeah, as a hitter, yeah, 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 yeah. And then and then I think Manny is pretty solidly number two. And then it's you know Judge and Ortiz. I can't deny that Aaron Judge just had a better season than David Ortiz ever did two years ago. <laughs> can't deny that. But so I don't Ortiz, think it's crazy oh. to say that. Ortiz is merely the best postseason hitter of all time. So yeah, uh, that's all. That's all. Probably the best. I mean, like, it's so nice to have that in our back pocket, no matter what happened in the regular season. And, and talk and about I, a guy who is a good fit for Boston. I mean, nobody, nobody has been better. Nobody, nobody, not one person, not a single. Person, except for maybe Brock Holt, maybe <laughs> certainly, certainly not another person of color, but uh, Brock, Brock Holt, maybe. Yeah. All right, we got. Right. What, do you have? Do you have recommendations, or do we want to do anything else first? I have a recommendation. Let's go for it. Um, all right. Uh, so my recommendation is going to be another TV show. Have you gotten into the slow horses game at all? So I would say like nine months ago, I watched part of the first episode and then I stopped it and I've heard very good things about it. And now actually in the last couple of days have been inundated with Gary Oldman, Instagram posts. So it is a, Gary Oldman is having a moment. Gary Oldman is absolutely having a moment right now. But it, uh, so slow horse. It's good, right? It's basically it, how I would describe it is it's if someone took the concept of Archer but was like, let's take this seriously. It's 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 a spy thriller wrapped around an office comedy, and the gist of it basically is like Gary Oldman is in charge of this back office of MI5 agents. And it's a, it's a bunch of agents who have all fucked up in one way or another and can't be trusted to, to run the main ops anymore. So they're shunted to this back office where they're not really given any important jobs to do. Gary Oldman is their boss. He's their spy master. He is this gross, dirty, crass, disgusting boss but he's actually a, a genius at what he does um and it's you know it's a it's a british tv show so it's only like six episodes per season the first season is good the second and third seasons are outstanding it's really entertaining it's just like it's a it's a grounded spy show 
it's a grounded spy show. There was a, there was a scene in one of the episodes I was watching the other night, you know, where one of the agents is on a train with a bad guy, right? And and another agent starts tracking the train on a motorcycle, and my brain obviously like immediately goes into like Mission Impossible mode, right? Like, well, oh, a motorcycle and a train in the same shot. What's going to happen here? But instead of doing the admittedly exciting and fun to watch Mission Impossible thing of the agent like jumping from the motorcycle to the train, she just like drives the motorcycle to the next station and then meets the train there because that's what would happen in real life as opposed to them fighting on top of a train. Um, so it's a it's a really good show. Easy, you know, not a lot of episodes, not hard to get into it. Apple TV, slow horses, love it. The funny part when you were talking about that, have you seen a most wanted man starring Philip Seymour Hoffman? It's a, I have not. It's a movie and it, it it's very it's his last movie. Uh and uh he's the lead and it's incredible. He plays a German spy 2014. And everything you said about Soul Horses made me perk up at that it's 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 an incredible movie uh that's not is that a john le Carré adaptation i think it is I, I i believe it is um but that's not my recommendation my recommendation and i'm gonna do this freestyle because i don't really have anything planned is If you no, don't, don't have, have any, I don't. I don't have a recommendation. Sorry, I'm not right. going to force this. I have. You I have an go, idea for a go, new segment. Go for it. I have an idea for a new segment. I and feel maybe like this you is going to be of... self-deprecating to me, but go ahead. No, it's not self-deprecating. To you. Um, oh, did, have you been decided... to Paros, the Greek island? I have. I Can you read that? Yeah. Yeah, but, I have. But yeah. think about Paros. That is my favorite. So my um, ex-wife. You've been there too, or no? My ex-wife bartended on Paros when she went there uh, uh, in college, junior year, study abroad. But my favorite thing about Paros is that it is counterpart to the greatest named place in the world, which is Antiparos, which is the <laughs> island that is not Paros. We are the not. Is not Paros. We're that not them. Good. We're different. We're the than other, them. We're the other one. We're not Paros. We're anti-Paros. I'm going to throw in another rec. I'm going to throw in another recommendation. Go to Paros. Yeah, I mean, it is so. Greek islands, I think, are like an an implicit recommendation. Well, well, that is true. But I am I am specifically talking about Paros in opposition to Santorini and Mykonos. Which is where everyone goes, and this my my wife and I we went there on our on our baby moon before when she was pregnant with our first kid, um, and Santorini. Look, Santorini is unquestionably one of the most beautiful places I've ever been to, but it is also effectively just the world's biggest hotel. Like that's what it is. There is there is no one who lives on Santorini, or if they do, like you don't see them at all. In fact, I remember one night we we had a recommendation of or we had a restaurant recommendation from someone she worked with, and before we went to that restaurant, we just walked. We were walking around. We went to a bar. One of the things I love. I don't do this in America at all, 
But in a foreign country, there's like nothing I love more than talking to a bartender. <laughs> I don't like I, I, in America, I you couldn't pay me to talk to a bartender. But as you said, overseas what's your recommendation: you just sit there, post up with a beer, and just read. Like I'm not talking. You to just you, do it. Yeah. I, f- I fucking love it. And so we were at this restaurant, we were at this bar and we chatted up the bartender. We made friends with him. And then we were about to head out to this restaurant that was recommended to us by an American, but we didn't know exactly where it was. So I asked him, I said, like, Hey, do you know where this was? And he was like, Oh, he's like, he's like, Oh, that the place was pretty good. He's like, it just closed. And we were like, Oh no. I said, I said, okay, can you recommend anything else that's good around here? And he like ruffled his brow and he thought about it and he started to point and he started, he's like, uh, he started to point something across the street. He's like, uh, and he goes, no, that place is just like this one. It sucks. <laughs> Which I really admired his honesty. And I was like, so is there anywhere good to eat around here? He was like, no, he was like, no, there's nowhere good to eat around here. That is kind of sad. We did end up finding, I think a pretty good restaurant, but Santorini is like, it's a hotel. It's a gorgeous outdoor yeah. hotel. Paros, you go there and it's like, oh, People live here. This is an actual place. I actually think Lisa was, I actually think she was on Santorini. She talks about Paros, and I about, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure she was on Santorini. Okay. Well, she's on the wrong island. Well, yeah. And, uh, and, and we're not married anymore. So I, I'm not married to that decision. That has nothing to do with me. But that might be you enough for power. us. Enough about my marriage. Oh, wait. Enough my event. Of- wait. My new segment. My new segment. Oh, shit. <laughs> you started oh. too early. Fuck. You got me talking about the Greek Island. Oh boy. New segment. You ready for the new segment? How divorces Brian today? Nine and a <laughs> half. <laughs> Are you extra divorced today? I think that today. No. Uh today, today's like a today's like a five and a half. It's just sort of normal. <laughs> What what are the what are the factors that go into how divorced you are in a given day? Do you need to pick your kid up from school early? Is there something that happened with your kid's homework that is not con- consistent between the mother days and the father days? Um Shit like that. Shit like that. I don't. I don't want to say my segment idea anymore because this is better. No, I want. I'm doing this from now. Let's do it. Let's do it. Mine's lame. All right, we're we're doing your we're doing your afterwards. Okay. Dan, 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 here. Brian is going to take over as site manager when Dan chokes and dies laughing. My new my new segment was inventions. Where we come up with inventions that the world needs. Inventions that the world needs. Yeah. That's really broad. That's a really broad. My, my first invention was going to be a TV that every time you turn it on, it returns to an acceptable volume after your toddlers have been watching it at like volume 57. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know if Dan is delirious or stoned or both. I don't think he's stoned because I've been watching him with my not. face for the last. I'm not. I, I will be once we get so. off this. I mean, me too, but that's not the point. So, uh, my my friends, I'm going to make an apology for 
for my friend Dan here. Uh, this is the Monster of Socks, and Dan is losing his fucking mind. Uh, Wait, so and- which segments are we keeping here? Are we keeping both of them? I, do or you think just, I'm going to edit? Or just you know, how, I just you're how, not no, editing no, no, this. No, no, no. I'm it's saying going me. forward. I'm not editing anything. No, I know. No, we're not touching this episode. I'm saying going forward. Which segments are we keeping? I really want to keep how divorce is mine today. Oh, <laughs> if I love you that. feel strongly oh, about yes. invention. Oh no, I'm in that. So I took a picture okay. today. Last thing I'll say is I took a really awesome picture of my daughter and my dog today, and I put it in black and white. It's great. Except for I took it in my room, and you can just see this fucking mountain of dirty clothes in the corner. Like, other than that, the picture is like, oh, my God. This is so artistic. It looks great. And like, oh, there's some fucking dirty clothes because you're yeah. – you, um, you can Photoshop that out. You could, you know, do, some, do some Googling. Find uh, some free online software. All right. That, 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 that's enough. That's Dan. This is Brian. Monster Socks. Next week, I don't know. Week after that, I don't know. We'll be here and we will talk to you about the Boston Red Sox and I promise you many, many other things. Dan, and should, we, should we do the New Year's resolutions thing next week? Oh, dear God. Let's do our New Year's 2025 resolutions next week. Okay. That sounds like a plan. All right. Take care.